0: Superposition Podcast. We are here in our second week, and uh, Duncan and I are excited to kind of get into things uh, this morning. How you been doing, Duncan? Good,
1: good. It's been uh, it's been another week of redefining paradigms and and rethinking just how to do life uh, while trapped at home. But uh, but just to add to that, um, I'm an introvert, so. While I say that not much has really changed. Um yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so do do you like the fact that you're home then? I mean cuz you're home for your job a lot of, anyhow, right? I am. Yeah. I am and now an, now, now though you might have more family at home, so that actually might be It's weird in that
1: sense where I'm not used to having a human presence around me 24/7. Um I mean, even even shopping has has radically changed in this process. So, I think in that respect, it's very different. But, um, it's in certain respects very different, and in others, not so much.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm binge watching a lot more shows as i'm doing stuff so i'm somebody i can work while i have something going on on the side so uh I, I finished like i had all these like shows that i had watched parts of and i hadn't finished them and now they're all they're all just knocked out so so it's good. that's good a, that's a good
1: time for television but you're one of the reasons why the internet is so slow these days
0: yeah, that, that's probably true it's probably my house exclusively actually uh so between <laughs> myself and my five-year-old my five-year-old can Consumes more i don't even know how he consumes the amount of stuff that he does but i think he has slown disney uh, he made disney plus you know slow for probably the nation just by himself this week so but it's been oh, pretty amazing so oh, well yeah definitely things are changing uh the the first story that i have for today is like um that i i saw that uh, a little while ago some some Places and uh, particularly, I saw an article on CNN that was talking about how, because of all these changes, it's it's um, it's really disrupted uh, the way people have had to do things with churches, and we've talked about that a little bit in in our last uh, right. podcast. But uh, one of the things that they're finding that's really uh, challenging now is is uh, they they don't know how to conduct a funeral, uh, and they're trying to be sensitive. To this, uh, but they obviously people can't gather, so it's like it's this really kind of crazy and you know, uh, in some ways tragic thing. But uh, so I, what I've seen is in the in the UK they've actually uh, requested that that people cremate folks uh, because they're not able to have the service right away. Um, And then there's some people that are having live stream services um, and they're having live stream services for these funerals. So that, so I don't know about you, but to me that that's pretty rough, right? Like how, how, um, like right now we, we're not even, I mean, we have this stay at home order, right. in Florida. So it's like, um, I'm not sure how, how you'd even do that at this point. And you know, to help people to grieve, obviously when we have funerals there for the folks who are still present, uh, but trying to figure out what that would look like and how that would work is, is, you know, a real challenge. And so, um, you know, I don't know, I, I, it's, it's been interesting to, uh, see how that, how that works. I mean, what, what do you think about that kind of, uh, you know, about, about moving to online like that?
1: Well, that's, um, I mean that's such a radical shift in how we think and how we do things um and i think it's one of the last things that we would expect to do that i think you know when we when we think about family and 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 um really connecting on a relational emotional level with someone in the life of someone the last thing you want to do is 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 not be there um but it is a it is such a fascinating concept in thinking you know that you that you can still facilitate that process digitally. Uh, and you can pull people from all around the world into that into that emotive expression. Um, but I think it is going to have a, a profound effect on people as they have to navigate through through those sorts of scenarios. I think it reemphasizes just um, the value of, of human interaction, the value of being physically present. Uh, a similar story in that vein that I that I also stumbled upon uh, was a similar challenge. I, I think it was in the UK, but I can't recall now. Where they said people are critically ill in in hospitals and uh, they're not allowing people to to be there to say goodbye. I'm seeing similar uh, situations in the U.S. right now. I read on on one of my social media feeds a friend posting that. Um, his wife is giving birth and he, he can't be there. That's just the challenge. And some of these things, you know, technology can be used in in the context of the UK of saying goodbye to parents and family members. They, they're using live streams for that, but just how disruptive this is. And maybe reemphasizing just how, you know, technology is, is incredible, but the way we've been conditioned, it's, it's still such a, Far
0: and, and is it still limited in so many ways, right? Like, so even in a virtual context, we have kind of the uncanny valley, you know, right. element where if you make an, like, uh, having an, uh, different avatar made for me right now and the first one was just (laughs) terrifying right and so (laughs) and so you kind of go through this like yeah like you know i know i'm a little self-conscious but that does not look like me at all right and so uh so you're looking at stuff like that and and until we're able to actually feel like we're in each other's presence um you know we're kind of using baby step technology right like uh, and so uh, you know theologically I've kind of I've thought about if if all tech is God's you know divine technology if everything we experience in in the world is divine technology then um, then does that mean we are kind of just on the very front end and we, we're, we have these kind of like baby steps, effectively. And right now, what we think is really advanced technology is just so minuscule, because it's not even close to our present reality. And we're not able to actually, you know, fully create. And I think so. I, you know, I think it's interesting. I, the concern I would have with this is one. I think it's better that they are doing some live stream stuff. If you're going to do something digitally, like I, in the last podcast, I talked about how I, I, for worship, I don't even think actually live streaming is the best thing for most churches. Uh, but but actually, in this context, I think it's better because it does create an event. Like a specified event that's happening and it's real. And so there's able to be some emotion in that. Um, I don't know if people are able, like, it'd be interesting to know if anybody's done like a Zoom call version of this where people do eulogies or because you can have a lot of people in Zoom. So uh, it'd be interesting to know if there's some where people can kind of corporately mourn. But I wonder a little bit if. You know the digitalization of this makes takes away some of the emotion of it. Uh, I wonder. I, I wonder if if it kind of uh, numbs us a little bit to the fact that this has happened, and whether we actually process in the same way. Um, you know, I, I I've often wondered when a funeral is happening. People people have so many different kinds of grief that they deal with, and uh, I, I've often wondered if when the funeral is happening, looking at the people who are most immediate to the family people have radically different reactions to that and sometimes people aren't processing that at all and sometimes uh you know they're fully like immersed in it right then and, you know, the, for the folks who don't process it, sometimes they're processing it six months later, right? And and so I wonder what the impact of the tech is on that. I, I have no idea. I don't know that we'll know uh, until more of them are done that way. Um, you know, but I wonder if, you know, I, I've i really been, um, one of the things I've been concerned about is, you know, we certainly need to quarantine and and self-isolate uh on the flip side of that, I also wonder what the status of people's mental health is going to be three months into this. Uh, because there's a, if, if, you know, if folks aren't like you where they're used to working at home, you know what I mean? Like, cause it's a real shift to work for home. And I've worked from it home and in, in prior circumstances, but, um, you know like my wife last week was really having a challenge with that shift and it's an adapt and it's adaptive thing to be able to go wait what is happening to me right now and I can't interact with and so if your first interaction of that like if you were on the front end of the pan- pandemic and you got stay at home orders and then you had a family member die or right before a family member die you have all that stuff cumulatively thrown on top of it you know what I mean and Boy, I, I don't know how that's gonna. I don't know how that's gonna play for people. Uh, I almost wonder. Then the other thing is, is if you postpone these. So not talking about coronavirus, like put coronavirus aside. There's like seven thousand deaths in the U.S. a day. Uh, so just for other reasons, more than that actually. So so you know if you postpone all those funerals for however long then imagine what that's going to look like like uh it's then you have all of a sudden it's like you have uh, this very complicated grief process that's happening and all these people i wonder if it'll just be like oh yeah another funeral today oh yeah another funeral today to a point where it almost minimizes other people's grief they, they feel disenfranchised in their grief at that point so so i, I think this is a super like complicated thing I think it's really important for people as they're talking about uh as they're talking about how they're doing to like really recognize the fact that we're all dealing with different levels of grief and uh how are we going to process that and there's some ways that um there's some ways that digitally uh it's it's maybe not the most effective thing right now for us and and so you know figuring out how we can how we can help each other and that is is really important um, so, because I, you know, you can't hug people, right? Uh, you can't, yeah. you can't do the things you would normally do. You, you wouldn't, I mean, now it's like, you're afraid to send flowers to people because you don't want to yeah. send them. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so it's like the things you would do to show you care aren't, aren't in the same way. So you can call and you can talk. Um, yeah. but we, we have really we have it's been more than just isolation in our house it's it's sensory isolation in some ways too and so absolutely um really really tough thing so so uh anyhow wow yeah no i think i think we're we're going
1: to rediscover how we do so many things in the season and i think a part of that would also challenge why we do what we do right you know when i you know when you brought up the conversation about funerals going digital or or being forced to be a digital experience because of uh, quarantine and self isolation and and you know creating social distance, um, it immediately made me just reevaluate why for me a funeral is important and why it's important to have that the spiritual significance the psychological emotional significance of that and um this might be an opportunity for us to have some conversations around that to to have a deeper understanding as to you know why we do it the way we do and and uh, you know what the alternatives to that could look
0: like um and certainly uh, that, that's re- i mean i think that's really important. i think that is a positive insofar as I would say kind of across the board, churches do not do a good job of explaining why we do what we do. There are so many people that come into into a church, for example, and if the church reads a creed, nobody talks about why are we reading this creed. you know Let's just say the Apostles Creed for the nine millionth time and we have no reason why. Uh, you know what I mean uh, We have no understanding of why. Uh, so let's say uh, let's say the Lord's Prayer again, you know what I mean? Uh, and we uh, we went we did a mission trip in Jamaica once, and we went to a school, and we led a prayer, and the kids, like 600 kids that we were teaching, they all said the Lord's prayer together, and it sounded like the most rob robotic thing I've ever heard in my life and I realized in that moment saying the prayer that they were doing it not because they were getting something out of it they were doing it because they were in school and this was kind of the robotic right response you know and so the question is is when we grieve do we do that like are we in are we in do we just after a while we just kind of go into like our you know robot selves and we don't process that stuff and then eventually that just piles up you know what i mean and so figuring out how to lament and you know be effective in that is is i think a really important is a really important thing and and um you know having those conversations is is important because it seems like we're gonna have more and more of that as we're as we're you know trapped uh effectively in our in our homes for a while and so um and as we learn more about you know learn more about what's happening in our world that uh, none of us at least in this lifetime have experienced yet yeah yeah <laughs> crazy right i mean just it's just crazy well now that i've brought us in on the happiest note on, <laughs> on <laughs> It can only get better from here it can, it'll only go up like my, my i got i got another story later that, that's way way better than this so okay just, all right just, thank you all right good. thank you, all what you what do you got
1: what do you got? oh goodness man let me just let me just uh just hold get on that. let me
0: get my yeah let me wipe my tears now and
1: take that off yeah um so on a on a slightly better a slight, note
0: just slightly
1: um I want to I want to talk about something that I found um, or rediscovered recently, and, and it's it's really a fascinating concept of using technology and the computers of, that everybody at at home has or at work has, and using the average individual's computer to help solve real complex issues. And so there is this technology developed by uh, the University of Washington. Um, and Berkeley in distributing large sets of computational problems across a vast network to try and solve a bigger problem. So they would take a a big challenge. Initially, this was developed to to crunch uh, interstellar computations, finding other worlds, finding uh, life beyond the stars. And uh, I mean, think Matthew McConaughey, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay, okay. good. <laughs> <laughs> he, he played a role in that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they, they built this technology because they realized to build a supercomputer to crunch this and to do this would just be unfeasible um, or infeasible. It would be too expensive. It, it uh, would take too long. It just, it just wouldn't work. So they built this tool called Folding at Home. It's a, it's a piece of software. Uh, and there are many different variants of this of this uh, uh, type of tool. Folding at home and the other one is Rosetta at home, the ones that I specifically uh, looked at and used. And what these do, basically, is they take a, a really complex problem. They break it into thousands of different pieces. They send it to people to to compute. And then on your computer, you go ahead and you, you try to solve the problem. And it uses your CPU or your graphics processor. And within a couple of hours, you've solved the problem, it sends it back, and then the system brings it all together. What's fascinating around this and why it's, I think, very relevant right now is this, as the system was used for interstellar computational issues, it has shifted over the last couple of years to try and solve issues for cancer, Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, Parkinson's, and so forth, specifically the uh, Rosetta at Home project. And uh, in the last two to three weeks, they've shifted a lot of their resources to solving issues for corona. So in essence, what this does, specifically as it relates to corona, is, or COVID-19, is um, it breaks up all the different possible ways that the protein of the virus could react in different environments, be it uh, variance in temperature, variance in pH levels. And just to say I am not a biologist or, or a virologist, I am dangerously aware of, of how little I know, uh, but from what I read, it, it tries to understand the reaction of the protein of the virus in certain environments. And what it then does is when it sends this, these, these uh, different variations of what the protein could function in, it sends it to different computers and your computer crunches the, the problem and sends it back. Um, Why this is a relevant conversation above and beyond coronavirus and above and beyond uh, what's happening in the world now is the fact that in the last three weeks, so many people have picked up this piece of software that um, if you compared the top 500 supercomputers in the world and you, you summed their computational power, this distributed network is more powerful than the top 500 combined. Wow. So as humanity coming together to try and solve this problem using everyday computers, using using your your MacBook or your desktop computer, we've been able to exceed what the top 500 commercial supercomputers combined can do by just giving a little bit of extra resources on your computer. So I found this really fascinating, this idea of, of making available the resource that you have for your, on your computer or your, your, your MacBook or, or laptop and really affecting change. At this point, we've seen quite a bit of research come out of, out of uh, this initiative on COVID-19 And similarly on on cancer research, Alzheimer's Alzheimer's research, and dementia
0: research in the past, just how incredible. Um, Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, so my question is: Is this how the singularity starts, or (laughs) like? So I mean, I mean, uh, uh, certainly like to be able to do use this, but I would have questions like: So how does this impact somebody's computer long term? Like, does it does it uh, does it diminish your computer's life?
1: That's an excellent question, and uh, it does to some degree. Specifically, when you do graphics computational work, because your your graphics card, as I understand it, has a limited uh, lifetime. Everything on your computer has a limited lifetime. The more you use it, the more. The the, the shorter it will live, you know, you have X number of computational hours on that. But really in the greater scheme of things, it's not, it's not going to dramatically reduce it.
0: Um, it And I'm assuming it's, it's, you you have to be hooked up live to the internet to be doing this, right? Yeah. So you connect to the internet, you
1: run the application and really, only at certain points in time, it, it communicates with the internet.
0: Right, but what? So, what so it, it's not going to mess your Netflix flow up. No. So that's yeah, good, actually, good. Yeah, 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 that probably matters to people right now. Seriously. You know, if it's like, Hey, we're going to save the world or my 5 year olds going to watch Disney. Plus there's some people right now that, you know, they're, they're definitely worried about whether they're, their kid is going to, going to keep watching TV or not. Survival so, is based on, that's, on that's this. Like, no, I, yeah. no, but, I yeah, but the computational, computational power is crazy because yeah. you know, like, not even half of the people in the world are online yet so if you start thinking about you know 10 years from now or 20 years from now and increasingly people are able to more and more people get online and now it's like um more and more people have multiple computers right so it's like you know i've heard comedians joke about you know it's like they have a computer that they used to use for this task and for that task. And now they just have a stack of computers laying around their house. And, and it is kind of like that. It's like you yeah. have old phones or, you know, and people hold on. I don't know if you have this, but I have like a box of cables that I, uh-huh. that, I yeah. that I have. Right. And there's cables in there. I'm not even sure I know what they go to anymore. You know what I mean? But I'm still holding on to it. Right. You so, never know. but yeah, but it's, but, um, but it's, it's fascinating yeah. to think that kind of what the, Combined computational power can do. Now, my question becomes yeah. who determines what these computers work on? And the more common this becomes, do people get to vote on what they think are the bigger problems that get to? You know what i mean like is it something like everybody says well you know what uh we actually want to work on cancer research as opposed to or we want to dramatically uh improve life expectancy so uh, we want my i want my computers to work on that you know what i mean uh so you can do sense. that oh, okay. you know, <laughs> All right, as,
1: as a as a contributor to the network you can decide which project you want to support in the process and it's interesting Folding at home is, is so just to talk about these two projects, there's there's hundreds of them, but folding at home specifically looks at uh, doing the actual molecular protein folding using computational power on your machine, while Rosetta at home just, just verifies a fold to make sure that it is logical, okay. that it makes yeah, okay. sense. And so Rosetta at home, or folding at home, uh, they they had a problem about two weeks ago, where they didn't have projects to give to people, because the network had exploded so much that there the, the the work log was empty. So huh. I mean, talking about you know how do you prioritize? There was nothing left. Uh, so many people had joined that there wasn't there weren't any projects. To really? Compute. Wow! It's insane. And, and that's not an, a usual problem. I don't think that's ever happened to
0: this so it's interesting because if they're focusing on those issues i wonder how many medical issues can be addressed exponentially more quickly and what that would what that would mean for people right because it's like you know um we've had these supercomputers that have found several different ways to treat cancer now that humans throughout our whole history haven't figured out but once the data presets were put in and they were essentially tell the computer you know and i'm obviously simplifying this but once they tell the computer what it's looking for then it can do these you know exponential calculations so much faster so if this allows that to speed that up but then do it to scale on multiple issues at once i mean you could actually see if people get into this and start using it or if there actually becomes almost like like it'd be fascinating to see if like major corporations when they're not using their computers if it if it became like a movement to say, well, we all do uh, X, you know what I mean, and uh, you know wh- whatever the organization is, uh, you know, banking or whatever, and they say all of our computers when they're not being used are being used for this purpose, uh, you know, and that becomes almost mm-hmm. like their um, their part of their nonprofit uh, work, right? They're sure. they're using their equipment uh, for the betterment of humanity in that way. That's a really fascinating uh, direction that could go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm curious to see organizations just, you know, start doing that. I, I haven't uh, seen that really yet. It's such a rare thing at this point, but what I've done, so I, I run a, uh, and own an agency that does web development and web hosting and a whole host of other things, but specifically on the web hosting component, I, I, um, I oversee, couple of servers in the United States and the nature of what we do with those servers means that they're very memory intensive but not CPU intensive. And so we've started doing that. We've committed 50% of our CPU resources on these machines toward trying to find solutions for or understanding the protein structure of COVID-19 because, you know, firstly <laughs> Uh, as everyone else, we'd like this to be resolved as quickly as possible. But second, I we know. have resources. And if we're not going to commit them to this, they're going to be idle. So so for us, it just makes sense on, on the machine I'm on right now, where you know I'm, I'm talking into, and my laptop, I, I have the software installed as well. And the moment my computer is idle for five minutes, it starts processing through this again. So it's going to be interesting, just coming back to your point, to see how many organizations see this as a corporate social responsibility that they that they can, you know, leverage the millions of dollars that they've laid out in, in terms of hardware that very often sits idle,
0: toward creating. So, so, so let me ask, and maybe maybe you know, and maybe you don't know, but um, so the folks who put this together right now, um, who who is the who are the people behind it?
1: There's a couple of different institutions behind it. The uh, the client itself, the one that I'm using at least, is is made by Berkeley. Okay. The um, I can actually quickly pull that up. Actually.
0: Yeah, that's Here's that's it. interesting because I mean, part of it would be is people would start to wonder, like, well, okay, so is somebody gonna profit off of this in a way? You know what I mean? Where uh, yeah they're they're helping to fix something, but then they develop a monopoly right so you've seen some of these folks who uh have you know found drugs that help so and so do whatever and then you know it's like big pharma type mentality they you know they overcharge or gouge people on the pricing for it and so yeah. it interesting to see how they um do that and I know a lot of universities for example have have really moved towards creating sustainability by leveraging their research labs to create products uh that actually make money. You know what I mean? And and so and some of those they keep in the nonprofit and some of them they spend them out in the for-profit. And so just kind of a fascinating thing for people to be thinking about like um, because it may not only be like, hey, people want to do this, but again, it may not just be, hey, I want to vote for this project or that project. It may be people wanna start supporting specific, you know what I mean? And uh that becomes really interesting because all of a sudden those things can get politicized pretty quickly, I would imagine, right? Um Yeah. It'd yeah, be sure. It'd be it'd be cool if there was uh and this is where it would be interesting for me to see the church get into these kind of fields. Uh, and you know, and and churches that have kind of the resources. Now I know this is like experimental stuff, right? That you have to get way into it down the road. But but churches start kind of leaning in those directions to say, well, how are we going to be engaged? Uh, not to say that they're they're trying to be the scientists, uh, but uh, to say, how do we have some kind of ethics board where we can help to uh, encourage people to come alongside projects to to know there's some kind of ethical standard you know, being implemented with the data that we're helping to create because, because I could see churches, uh, this would be like, particularly in this time, a lot of churches don't know what to do missionally, right? So their, their worship and their mission have kind of all become one thing. And now there's an opportunity with something like this, where actually it's like, well, everybody at home could do their part to help fix, you know what I mean? Uh, and those kind of missions could be like, Hey, let's use the common stuff that we're, that we're already using to, you know, help, help better the world uh, and so uh, there, a, a real sustainability potentially in that if we if we kind of get in that mentality but yeah absolutely absolutely um, I think there's a lot
1: of avenues for people to get involved for the church to get involved the corporate church uh, the big seed church um, but just to answer the, the, the initial leading question to that I think in terms of monopolizing this in terms of, of uh, abusing this, you know, even going that far, it's uh, at this point it's open to researchers to submit stuff, and there's multiple projects. So if you're not if you're not happy with what Rosetta at home is doing, you can join one of the other
0: yeah hundred yeah.
1: plus projects that do yeah. similar work. Um, so. I like that.
0: I like that universities are doing it. It's not to say that universities aren't big businesses, but the reality yeah. is is they do have the resources, uh, and they are training people who will go out and create entrepreneurial opportunities. So I, I think that's good. You know, it, it's a a little easier to get behind. I think a university doing it than a mega corporation, uh, quite frankly. And people sure. seem to have whether it's a result of their you know, college football or, uh, uh, basketball, you know, ambitions or, uh, support. They do have, they do seem to have loyalty to their, their academic institutions that they went to. So particularly big schools that do this kind of work. Um, so so that's interesting, interesting to see. Well, Hey, I, I have something that's uh, far less, um, far less grim than my first article and we don't have to worry about it creating any kind of singularity uh opportunities oh, there's no okay. i well i don't know you might be able to figure out some kind of ethical uh issue on this but uh, <laughs> but i saw that the dallas news uh they put that yeah. in arlington there's a church uh, that is really concerned that their Easter egg hunt this year has been canceled. So, you know, I, I don't know if the ch- you know churches you've gone to have done Easter egg hunts uh, in in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, is is when you're in South Africa, was that a big or Easter eggs a, a big thing in South Africa?
1: They were, they were, yeah. We uh, the more the more I'm starting to learn about American culture. There are differences, but it was a big thing. Yes,
0: yes. So, so what can you tell me? A difference. <laughs>
1: So instead of real eggs, we would have these just chocolate eggs that my parents would buy at the store in, in boxes of a hundred. Yeah. Okay. And uh, would and you they hide would, those? They would hide them. Yeah. Well,
0: you know we don't hide real eggs, right?
1: Oh. <laughs> okay.
0: No. no no we're okay not like, we're not like wow. yeah. i mean because think <laughs> think about the the oh, think goodness. about the aftermath if if <laughs> if you miss some like like a couple weeks in and it's like your backyard smelling yeah. like terrible or the church the church grounds I, are like what is that smell
1: yeah, i didn't think about that yeah yeah, yeah
0: no, no we use plastic eggs but it's actually like a pretty to do big to do because you know they'll like get like churches i've been at, i've been a couple bigger churches and so we do stuff in the like local park and we literally have to have like heats for kids right because there's so many kids come if you advertise for these things yeah and like i've been at them where they've gone really well and i've been at easter egg hunts where they go very poorly i mean they look kind of like lord of the flies and you know i mean it's like they're kids crying yeah. uh it's like oh toddler fight club uh and Go they're out. you know it just like it, you know and and sometimes kids don't get an egg if too many kids show up so then sure. you know i mean there's there's all sorts of like good old-fashioned good old-fashioned church drama involved it's sure. like uh it's like a church league softball there's always a fist fight somewhere in the midst <laughs> of it right so with all oh, hitting each other with all our christian love so uh, uh yeah. so this church is concerned about that they can't have their their easter egg on and so what they decide to do is uh uh, tate springs baptist church they came up with an idea uh to try to figure out how to virtually do one and so they are going to have uh easter egg hunt in minecraft so they have created it in minecraft uh and they're they're gonna they're gonna (laughs) launch it so my question would be so there's there's you know not I wouldn't say a ton but there are, you know are some people doing video game ministries out there. Um, my question would be: Are we going to see more and more of this as people are online? Uh, obviously, streaming platforms are huge, right? And yeah. and like oh, I think 11 million plus people go to Twitch a day It's probably more than that now. And so just tons and tons of people go, but. Um, you know, our church is going to start leaning into this more and more. And, and the larger question is, is how do you focus on what you're going to do at that point? Because like, you know, do how many of your kids know or play Minecraft, right? It, it is kind of a targeted audience at that point. It's not yeah. like, I mean, even when my, kid, you know, my my son was little, like I, he was tiny, and you could stick him right in front of an egg, and he picks it up, and he gets the concept, right? But you know, if they're super little, they're not going to be on Minecraft, and then, yeah. <laughs> and then you know, and thank goodness we didn't give him real eggs, or as a, that would have. <laughs> Amen. Dude, I love it. I didn't I know. It. It's awesome. That's what this show's all about, right? So that's so. so oh so, my goodness! It's epic. It's so awesome. I, just to say, it's
1: bad, I, I'm glad to hear that now because I, you know, I, I. You
0: were really concerned. You're like, man, Americans are really strange. I mean.
1: Yeah. 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 So I, at least I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more reconciled with the culture after.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah, but even a chocolate egg, like if you were to put chocolate eggs and hide them all over the place that they could just be a puddle of chocolate in florida <laughs> right that wouldn't necessarily sure. always work either but yeah. uh but you know so they're gonna do this this minecraft thing so i you know i, I wonder if if this is more and more going to become kind of the norm like are we going to see more uh, and i'm, I'm talking i'm thinking about right now uh putting together like a fellowship group of just gaming for people who are at my church. And just as there's people who want to game, we just get on and play whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and, and do that. And, but, but that becomes interesting because it brings up all sorts of ethics, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, like how do you keep kids safe? In Minecraft, sure. right? And so, like, I know uh, I've heard of numerous kids' programs now that they've done stuff on Zoom and they've got hacked, and inappropriate stuff has been put up in front of kids because yeah. people didn't know how to manage, uh, didn't know how to manage kind of Zoom in a way where they can avoid that. Uh, yeah. So, with video games, you know, uh, even if you get on Fortnite, you know, you jump in a party with somebody. There's things I don't want my little kid hearing, right? And I don't want them engaged with. And so, really figuring out sure. the quality control of that is is going to be an interesting, interesting process. So, I don't know.
1: I think the challenge with that is, you know, if you think about physical social engagement in, forgive me for saying this, but the real world. Yeah. Um, we've we've become. I think we, we infer so much in terms of how we perceive the world and navigate the world and think about personal safety, emotional safety. And it's easy to apply certain principles all the way through. So the way you think about your kid in a shopping mall is the same you would or very similar to how you would think in a, in a park, um, you know, out with friends at a restaurant. It all applies really well. And suddenly you, you sit with the same risks and threats in the digital world, but you perceive it in a very different way because, because of the fact that it's disconnected, you just don't, you just don't make that connect. And so I think for parents, I think for friends and peers, we are going to radically come to understand, I think, the risks that are pervasive online, that are pervasive in the digital world, and they're very much the same, if not if not more dangerous, because you don't have the same level of oversight or visibility as to what's happening. So I think it's going to be a really interesting season, but it, but it is a double-edged scenario, because I think it's, it's beautiful in that we're going to have virtual worlds, digital worlds, for people to come together and to have fellowship and have friendship and have meaningful conversations and have fun uh, in, a, in a world that is fantastical and and right. beautiful and just something else such a uh, in many respects a divine overflow of creativity so i think this is great i mean when you when you um, mentioned this i i I think that's awesome. Um, I would I would love to join something similar to that in a community of people that I know, um, to to be actively involved in in celebrating Easter with others on a on a very whimsical in a very whimsical way, and just to add to this in a very personal manner, it's it's funny. This is not because of of coronavirus, but. Uh, my best friend growing up recently moved to the Netherlands. Uh, not that that matters because he would have been in South Africa anyway, but we, we have this distance between us. And we used to speak very frequently when we were in, in the same country. And now because we're in a different time zone and a different continent, it's challenging. So what we've what we've tried to do is to set up an hour a week where we play a video game together. And just socialize. So we have a conversation. We catch up on what's happening in our lives, uh, in his relationship with his wife, in my relationship with my wife, the challenges we see living in different countries, and just life, right? But we do that over a shared experience of, of you know, doing something in a, in a digital virtual game environment. So I think that's beautiful. I think, I think as a society, we're going to be forced to
0: to yeah. uh, discover I w- something. I wonder new. if it requires us to have a little more grace with one another too, right? Because, yeah. because like, look, you, your kid's going to, you know, hear something or get exposed to something that, you know, maybe they, sh- maybe they shouldn't or you don't want them to, uh, you know, and maybe that's... Um, You know, I I heard (laughs) we were we went to uh, Dollywood. I don't know if you know Dollywood is uh, amusement park. Yeah, Yeah. and so we went to Dollywood. It's a pretty family friendly place, right? And we went to she's got a Dollywood's got a water park. I don't know if it's something different. Yeah, it's awesome, and it was great because my then four year old could ride a lot of those rides with us or ride even rides by himself the water rides yeah and we went uh and we went by one of the the big rides like one of the you know the i don't know what they called it but it was just like the straight drop water slide you know uh-huh. the ones where people are pulling their shorts down when they get in the bottom and and there was you get a little beat up on those right it's like being on an old wooden roller coaster because you're kind of banging against the walls and and uh, a kid came down and was you know like i don't know scuffed his knee or did something and and i heard this like southern mom you know say you know suck it up rub some dirt on it i'm going to get a slushy you know like <laughs> and it was kind of like there was a little bit of that like <laughs> you know what like get over it and i just <laughs> think like as a kid You know, we had a lot of that stuff running around as a kid in the 80s, like you'd fall on your bike or you'd come home and you'd cry about something or whatever, and your parents would be like, yeah, all right, it's a little blood, like, calm down, you know what I mean? I I think there's there's a digital version of that, right, where there's some of that stuff where it's like life is going to seep in. And we're, we're going to go, we're going to have, you know, I don't know what it is. Rub, rub some pixels on that, you know, <laughs> and suck it up. But, but there is some kind of version of that where it's like, yeah, well, that's unfortunate. We didn't want that to happen. You know what I mean? But, yeah. um, but life's going to go on, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're going to see a lot more of that in life anyhow. And then yeah. as we go, we try to figure out, well, how do we, how do we create, you know, the environment so that it's the most helpful for people as, as we're going, but, but it, it, it takes away a little bit of the bubble wrap that we've wrapped all the way around ourselves, you know? And so, yeah. uh, and maybe that's why it's scary, but it's also, also why it's exciting too, you know, and, and yeah. to figure out, you know, how are we gonna, how are we gonna be in that process? So
1: I think just on that, you know, the, the it's such a fine balance, and Absolutely, I think people need to have grace, and people, I think, are afraid of understanding where to have grace in this process, um, and realizing that you know it's life. Life is going to happen. You know, you're going to, your kid is going to be exposed to someone saying something in a Minecraft server that you know might not be 100% uh, aligned with how you think or feel about things. But that also happens on the playground at school. Sorry. You know, in friend groups and conversations, text messages and phone calls. So, you know, and I think so we've it become. Doesn't,
0: it doesn't mean that Minecraft is, you know, uh, should be demonized because of that. No. It, it just, it just maybe gives us a little bit more insight as to actually what our kids um what our kids face you know like uh yeah. my, my son would come home and and say you know so and so's mean to me you know and so you ask him about that you're only you're also only getting one side of that story right sure. like and you find out ah, well they weren't the only ones mean to people you know and so it's like well how do you how do you balance that with with your with your child to say okay so yeah. how are they acting and then how are you responding right and and yeah. so us kind of learning our personal responsibility in that and our responsibility as parents or as caretakers of other people i think uh it's it's you know really uh important that we kind of work through those things but but it's good to for me to see like hey these are folks that are saying we're going to try something different and we're gonna we're gonna really make a we're gonna make a concerted effort to try something that we see that our kids are doing anyhow. They're playing Minecraft anyhow, uh, yeah. and they probably have some culture of Minecraft anyhow. And yeah. so to say, hey, we're gonna do that. And then I want just think about like the think about the logistics of setting that up, right? Sure. Like so so now you have some church person who might not know anything about Minecraft, and they got to kind of figure that out. And so this could be the lamest you know, seeing how a lot of Christians use technology could be the lamest Easter egg hunt ever. Uh, it could be terrible. <laughs> Who knows? They might, um, they might use real eggs for all we know. <laughs> they might use real eggs. That's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> they're live streaming real eggs. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, you know, but the opportunity there is obviously is, hey, let's get those kids engaged in ministry in a way where you know, they're building the worlds or hiding the eggs or, or, you know, doing whatever. And so, so good stuff. Well, Hey, I, I think, uh, this time has just gone by super quick, but, uh, but, uh, I think, uh, there doesn't seem to be any lack of stuff to talk about, uh, in our rapidly developing technological world. So, uh, so, so, uh, next week we'll pick it back up and, and go on to the next thing. Sound like a plan? If we are still here, I think that's a good plan. Well, let's let's hope so. Don't do not as a public service announcement, do not put real eggs in your kids' Easter baskets. You might in your or specifically in your yard. Yeah. If you live in an apartment, don't hide them in your house. That that could be bad in quarantine long term. <laughs>
1: yeah 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 protect the space you have
0: that's right if you learned one thing out of this podcast <laughs> this podcast today so anyhow all right everybody well have a have a great week and uh and we'll uh we'll be on next week take care